Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. I'm having a good day, guys. Are you? It, it, it is beautiful outside. This is the best weather we've had all year. Um, the HVAC installation in my house is done. I actually have forced air now. Heat, AC, I can control it. I'm living in the 21st century again, thank God. Um, I'm on beer oh, four or five of the day. I lost count. So, yeah, a little. I'm like podcast buzzed right now. Um, and none of that is the point of why I'm happy. The reason I'm happy is because right before this episode, J.D. Burke tweeted out that he had confirmation from a front office executive that it looks like the NHL's proposal for an early June draft and everything that comes with it is a go and it could be announced um, as soon as tomorrow, if not early Tuesday. And oh boy, if that's not the best news we've received since, um, I don't know, Zadina was picked? Yes. That is a massive boost to the Lafreniere train. Uh, JD was, uh, besides being a uh, previous guest star on the podcast, which is anyone's biggest claim to fame, um, he was the first person to report on Detroit's interest at Moritz Sider, sixth overall. Uh, He drew the ire of a lot of people, I think us included, um, because that made no sense. And lo and behold, he was right. So I'm I'm inclined to take JD's uh, word on this one. Are you waiting for Brad to say something? Yeah. Okay. YouTube ad screwed up the whole shtick <clears throat> that I was going to do. You Dad's up playing YouTube a song. for a song? You don't yeah. have, you don't. Yes. If, if we didn't have an ad, I was going to literally go out of your spiel about how the Red Wings are benefiting here with just celebrate good times. Come on. Are you trying to get us copyright striked on YouTube? Yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm allowed up to six seconds. I know the rules. It's the Vine rule. I've never seen a solid, uh, like, written in stone rule. Even YouTube itself says even a few seconds. So I don't know. Yeah, no, but a friend of a friend said it, so it's 100% true. Oh, of course, yeah. That's how it works. Friend of a friend. And that's where we've devolved to on this podcast. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. In a good mood today, but still with some uh, passionate words coming to you. I am Detroit's apathy. I am a byfield of dreams. And I'm Zuck the Cuck. I <laughs> everyone's favorite robot. If you guys uh, actually want to know what I do, Evan pops up for some reason. I always at the bottom right of my screen. Um, my view looks a little bit different than what you guys would see on YouTube because Evan's the one screen capturing here. And I always cover his name uh, with a window. So I'm surprised when he reads it out. And most of the time I'm banking that it's appropriate enough. So it is today. It is today. I live another day. Uh, on this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, oh boy, do we have a lot to talk about, just a couple topics. Um, the NHL's proposed June draft seems to be rolling full steam ahead. Obviously, no official confirmation yet, but we are going to dive into that, the response to it, uh, what it means for Detroit, what we care about other people's feelings, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we'll be doing uh, our, of course, draft profile, prospect profiles, and then just generally shooting the shoot you know enjoying the rest of this sunny sunday the sun actually is out while we're recording again which i do feel bad about um but we had to get this episode out at somewhat of a reasonable time i did two hours of yard work today without a shirt on i am happy to report that it was very nice and now i'm very sunburned 
speaking about a weird pivot towards Brad's appearance, um, Brad, you got a couple compliments last episode on your haircut. So pass those along to Crystal. Yeah. I mean, the grainy camera certainly helps it, (laughs) (laughs) but it went a lot better than I was expecting it to go. Uh, the, the best comparison that I heard was, uh, I didn't know Tomas Tatar was on this podcast. Yeah. I'm going for that East European party boy. Look, that's, that's the whole goal of the quarantine. Um, soon the, I'm going to shave the beard and just leave a handlebar mustache so I can get kind of that tiger King vibe going too. it's, I've got this all planned out. I'm going to steal a, a look from every corner of the globe from redneck America to Slovakia. And I got to figure out something for Australia still, but we'll get there. You just named three very similar places, I believe. Yeah, they're practically the same country. <laughs> um, oh boy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, go, I hope our listeners at this point are astute enough to know that everything we say is just heavy sarcasm. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes we say something like that and I'm like, will they though? I the, hope uh, so. There'll be one the, guy who won't. The Tomas Tatar comparison is apt because uh, now's probably a good time to tell you, Brad, but we've tr- Evan and I have traded you um, for a bag of chips. And, uh, just traded like, me to Montreal or Vegas? Like a yeah, yeah, to Montreal. You're a Montreal podcast now. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, well, I mean... Can they uh, trade me back to Vegas? Sure. Yeah, why not? Hell yeah. Okay, I'm in. Well, you're going to be on a Montreal podcast now because obviously those rumors that have popped up about Mantha being offer sheeted by Montreal... Uh, I haven't seen those rumors, so I'm going to say they haven't went big time yet. So, they, but I know... I know, again, because I know our listeners, we're going to get nine questions about it either this episode or next. Oh, my God. It's I love you so all. annoying. But don't take these sites and rumors seriously, please. Because what would what would an offer sheet have to cost Montreal to the point where Detroit wouldn't immediately match it? It'd be nine million plus. And what's that getting us? Two or three first rounders? I forget the exact qualification. That but. is that is one step up from the first to second and a third. That would be under current rules, two first to second and a third. Uh, I mean, I love Anthony Mantha, and I hope we don't lose him. But I, I'd be thrilled with two yeah. first off because Montreal won't be that good. They'll be middle of the pack. I'll take two fifteenths overall, a second and a third. <laughs> I like, sure. Let's go. It, I understand the ties because, you know, French Canadian to the French Canadian team. Of course, every time something like this happens, I just cheer a little bit harder for a Quebec city expansion team. The, the true winners of this new proposed draft lottery system or what's old is new again. If it doesn't, in fact happen is the 30 teams who aren't Montreal because then we don't have to hear all the French Canadian hero comes home storylines. Yes. No Lafreniere for you, Montreal. All right, let's, uh, let's dive into it. So for those who need to be brought up to speed, uh, last episode, we talked about this, um, an option that the league uh, was considering internally to get the draft done uh, was an online draft much similar to the NFL. And we actually talked last episode about why the NFL's draft was so wildly successful and why the NHL should emulate it, that online draft. And to do that, they would want an early June draft, which would mean deciding, doing the draft and deciding the order before the season, if they're even going to play one, or even the playoffs, whatever those look like, are done, uh, which is a tough thing to do. So, um, the way they were going to do it would be to go reverse order of standings by points percentage, which is kind of what everyone's agreed is the most fair way to decide reverse order of standings right now. Um, and then, 
run a draft lottery but with only one winner so the old draft lottery rules um and for those keeping score that is an incredibly advantageous situation for detroit uh because locking up the best uh chances at first overall means that they can only draft as low as second and they have essentially a coin flip it's like 48 percent or something depends on what the odds specifically are uh but like a 50 50 shot at landing first overall the that was last episode the key point you forgot there is any team can win the draft lottery or maybe you said it and i wasn't listening no team can jump up more than four spots yes so only the team sitting in second third or fourth or fifth could unseed detroit from number one if team number six seven or eight wins the draft lottery detroit still picks first that's the big thing so detroit's basically got almost got the field here except for four teams but again based on the odds from the last time it does work out to be a 50 50 because that's still four teams with a high percentage yeah and uh that that would be an insane boost because you it's pretty much detroit versus four other teams detroit and the rest of the field versus spots two to five um up from detroit's 18 and a half percent chance which was less than ottawa's cumulative like 25 percent chance so not only does detroit get a huge boost they now be re-become the, the biggest favorites at first overall yes but i also know how the draft lottery has treated detroit in the <laughs> past so i'm not quite sure how we're gonna pick sixth but I know we're going to pick sixth. <laughs> okay, so that that was last episode that it was like it, the NHL was strongly considering that. Since then, a memo has gone out to the owners in the uh, front offices of every team in the league that this is the NHL, uh, like the league office's proposed solution. 15 million people tuned into the NFL draft. And I want to talk about that first. This was the most successful sports anything to happen throughout this entire ordeal from the moment coronavirus hit the nfl has had the most successful exhibition of like any kind of media or or public event and it was this online draft 15 million people the equivalent of half the population of canada watched robert or uh, uh roger goodell in his freaking mom's basement on a zoom call it's it's not rocket science here the nhl saw that and went holy shit that was amazing. People tuned into that. We can do that. All right, we got to make this work now. And that is by far the biggest motivator for the league pushing this. That's why they're so strong on it. We'll get into the other reasons why it could be advantageous for the league, but don't don't get us wrong. That is exactly why the league is pushing this because it makes sense for dollars because they've lost hundreds of millions in revenue. It makes sense for keeping fans engaged. And it makes sense because it's like the only thing they can do now because early June would be earlier than uh, when the draft was actually supposed to happen live in person, which was uh, June 26th or 27th, I believe. Yes. And obviously for a myriad of reasons, um, doing an early June draft is completely unfair to just about everybody in the NHL, except for maybe three teams. But here's the thing. I'm saying this is a Red Wings fan. No team benefits more from this format than the Red Wings. No one, not a single team. Um, unless they Ottawa wins the lottery, then they won't care either way. But uh, it gives teams scouting less time to review video since they missed a lot of tournaments and can't watch a lot of these players' lives to get their final opinion. So they have to comb video, which isn't as ideal. So they would have likely needed wanted more time to do that. And let's not forget that through this all, they assumed that this draft was going to be happening in September or October. 
And now it's not only going on as scheduled in June, it's actually being bumped up about three weeks. So they have even less time to prepare than they would have otherwise. Obviously, there's the issue with the standings. What happens if a team like Boston picks 31st? They get upset in the first round and they don't get to pit the benefit of picking in the top 20, then they're picking 31st still. So that's not fair at all. And I mean, just the practicality of it is, I mean, there, everybody was arguing, oh yeah, well, we don't want to condense everything in October. Uh, I never bought that argument for a second. That would be so easy. You hand up the coat, hand out the cup September 1st. You could do the draft September 2nd if you needed to. It's not hard. The thing though that Ryan mentioned that trumps everything is money and the NHL would get a lot of eyes which would get a lot of ad revenue which hey if it goes well brings in a lot of new fans who are watching because they have nothing better to do I'm I'm a, a pretty diehard football fan myself and I've watched at least the first round of any NFL draft for the last decade I think I made it all the way through round five this year because the hell else was I going to watch? You can only watch so much Netflix. And uh, I was caught up on the last dance at that point. I don't even think it was out at that point. But I mean, yeah, of course, this this is why the NHL is going to do it. From a practicality standpoint, it's stupid. From a, hey, we want to grow the game of hockey, it's a no-brainer. Now, uh, there's two main things here that are theorized to have been put forward to teams. Um, a couple people who I've talked to who are in the know have alluded to one regarding the scouts. So I'm pretty confident in that source being correct that this was part of the league's pitch. Um, but, but there's two main points for the league selling this to teams other than um, money. One, uh, scouts are usually on contract until July 1st. July 1st is when their contracts roll over or expire, uh, depending on how long they're, they're signed for. The draft ends or finishes at the end of the June, at the end of June, and then they move on to their next uh, draft class. And so the league is telling teams, hey, uh, if we do this now, you can release the scouts from their contracts when you were supposed to or earlier. I don't know how, how specifically it would work. That's a huge cost-saving measure. And uh, these owners who are hemorrhaging money while the league is, is not playing are going to like that. Two, um, an un, pretty much an unnoticed flaw or an unnoticed hitch in everything to do with the rest of the regular season not being played out right now is that there are a lot of individual or local or regional TV deals that need to be addressed because they have a requisite amount of games that need to be put on them or that need to be shown on them. And uh, all right, bye, Evan. <laughs> A requisite amount of games that need to be shown. And if they don't finish the regular season, it automatically gets rolled over to next season. Or that's what's been theorized. So, you know, putting this draft on might be part of negotiations with those TV uh, or those media companies to say, hey, we know we couldn't play out the last dozen or so games, but you broadcast this draft. Let's call it square and we'll finish out the season. Or even if that's not the case, Think of how happy, like Brad said, advertisers are going to be. They know everyone's eyes are going to be on this. How happy the, the major network TV deals are going to be. Like This is a huge boon for the league. This is a way of offsetting the massive amount of money that they've lost. So those are two pieces that they've put forward. And though I don't think individually any of those are the real driving factor, I think that the driving factor is um, just overall like the league just wants to recapture the attention and the revenue of hockey fans. Like 
pushing. Yeah, you get to cut costs by not having to have staff on for four months longer than you should have uh, to owners is an actual good pitch. Now, like the other thing that was part of this memo was uh, league execs were saying, yeah, this isn't a suggestion. It seems like we're strongly being told that this is what's going to happen. So I, I don't have the answer for this, but there's one thing about this that's slightly confusing to me. So let's examine who the league is. What is Gary Bettman's job? He is a front Get for booed. the owners. He is his whole job is to do the owner's command, make the league money, run the operations, and if they say jump, he says how high. So when I hear these things that say teams are unhappy with this format, well, what part of the team? Because if the owners were firmly against this, Batman wouldn't do it. Batman can walk into an office with them or a Zoom call, I guess, and say, hey, guys, I have a solution to make us a ton of money. And the owners can go, yeah, you're crazy. We're not doing that. And Bettman would drop it that second, even if he says it's a really good idea. And they say, no, it's not happening. So if Bettman's pushing this hard, despite general managers objections, that means the owners are probably peddling this pretty hard then, right? So am I missing something that the owners and the GM are missing some communication here? Because I am thoroughly confused because if the teams and when i say teams are fully against this top to bottom of the organization against this it wouldn't happen okay but you're missing one thing here brad it's just that yeah batman serves the owner but that's more of a dynamic when it's the league negotiating with players when we're talking about running the entire league it all does boil down to gary batman and, and bill daly here um, and I don't, I, I think you're right that this wouldn't be happening without at least some of the owners, uh, go ahead. And I think you're right in saying that the owners by and large are going to want this just for the revenue saving or the revenue generating model of it. Um, but I, I think a lot of this kind of centralized decision-making does boil down to that literal league office in New York or like the zoom call zooming, like remoting into New York. Oh yeah. Yeah. That sort of cut you off, but. I, I know what you're saying. And yeah, I don't think every decision Gary Bettman makes, he he calls a 31-person conference call to let them know what's happening. I, I'm sure they give him a, a good amount of autonomy to run his job. And and as much as the fans hate him and want to boo him, over the course of his career, he's done a good job, lockouts notwithstanding. And depending how you want to look at it, the lockouts probably were a good thing because they made the owners a ton more money. Um, but if it was something they truly hated with a passion... They'd pick up the phone. They would reach out to him. There is no lines of communication being missed here. So yeah, they might not be directing him, but you can't tell me there wasn't at least an email that went out to the owner and said, hey guys, great idea, followed by $5 signs. Um, okay, so the last part of this pitch from the uh, NHL to uh, front offices was uh, surrounding how to resolve the conditions on conditional trades. So Brad, you cover that, and then I might dive into a Mike Milbury minute after just to warm you guys up. Okay, so um, the NHL, with one of the other complications with an early June draft would be trades. Um, both forthcoming and already in place because there's a lot of conditional picks involved that directly affect this draft that can't be decided before the season resumes because they're based on player performance over an 82-game season 
or a team's results in the playoffs. Detroit is involved in one of them. If Edmonton makes the conference final, Detroit's fourth, uh, the fourth round pick they be- get from Edmonton becomes a 2021 third round pick. So Detroit has vested interest in Edmonton doing well, but if there's no playoffs before the draft, what happens to that pick? So what the NHL has proposed for situations like that is you guys get, what is it, a seven-day window they were talking about to renegotiate the terms of that condition. So, hey, this is happening. You guys can figure out something fair or we're going to give you a proposal and you're going to use it. So, again, with something as small as Detroit possibly being bumped up one spot in the draft, I don't really see how you negotiate that one because you either get a third or you get a fourth. There's not really much in between on that. I'm sure they could slap in extra picks. Detroit throws them a seventh. Montreal throws in a sixth. There's some or Edmonton throws in a sixth. I don't know. Um but yeah the the bigger trades are going to be the sticking point because Tampa's got a first round couple first round picks on the line here, I believe. Um the whole Vancouver uh, making the playoffs first round pick to Tampa, although New Jersey holds that pick now. It, it could get dicey, and I could see this being a legitimate problem because, man, if I'm sitting there on a potential first round pick from a team and the team comes to negotiate with me and says, hey, we'll do X, Y, and Z, if it includes anything but a first round pick, I'm saying no. So, yeah, I, I could see this being the biggest sticking point of, um, the early June draft for a lot of teams, not every team, but for a lot of teams. Okay. So obviously when this was announced, there was uh, a reaction from the hockey world about it by and large, pretty negative because this is a huge departure from what was to be the status quo. And it, there, uh, a couple teams were to favor disproportionately from it, disproportionately from this, which are obviously Detroit and Ottawa. Now, I'm going to do a Mike Milbury minute here. Maybe it's not angry. Maybe I'm just passionate. Uh, for those of you who don't know what a Mike Milbury minute is, because they, they've become a little infrequent um, as there's been less passion uh, on the ice, but I digress. Um, it stems from Mike Milbury's usual garbage rant about nothing. Uh, and so we did a minute long rant. We gave ourselves, I think one episode, just like 60 seconds to rant about Mike Milbury and his stupid rants and, and dumb things that he would say on air. Uh, I can't remember what he said. I think it was about PKC went one time and that's where it all came from. And so, uh, in the spirit of Mike Milbury, when we're so angry, we could just hit someone with a shoe. We give ourselves 60 second to let it all out. So who wants to time me on this one? Brad's going to pull out the timer and I might cheat and get started before. We have a nice little one at the bottom. Thanks to uh, a recording. Oh oh my God. Yeah, we do. All right. Uh, I'm going to get started on the 45 second mark here and go. All right. So it was, it came out and uh, from a few different people and I'm not going to name names because that doesn't matter. The general notion was, Oh, Detroit is being favored in this. The league is gifting Detroit first overall, blah, 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 blah. Listen, Yes, Detroit does benefit. Yes, this is objectively unfair. There is a worldwide quarantine. There's no sports being played. No matter what solution was going to be proposed, it is not going to be the status quo regardless. And you're mad about a solution where the worst team in the NHL in the modern era gets a coin flip for first overall? Are you kidding me? 
Here are Detroit's last three draft lottery results from 2017 to 2019. From 6th to ninth, from 5th to 6th, and from 4th to 6th. They have lost a net of six spots over the past three seasons, missing out on players like Bowen Byram, Alex Turcott, Cody Glass, etc. And you're mad that Detroit has a coin flip for Alexi Lafreniere? The last time they drafted first overall was 1986. And the last time they drafted third overall was in 1990. The I'm last sorry. Five seconds is irrelevant. Yeah, no, there that, are that point way... didn't matter. Didn't matter. Yeah. You guys take over for me. I don't. I don't you, get to do that. You rest, ran out of time. You know, yeah, yeah. So, my whole theory about this is: is this unfair to 30 teams in the league? Yeah. Is it benefiting Detroit more than every other team? Yeah. Um, is there going to be a good solution? No matter what they do, no. It doesn't. People are dying. This is a sport. We are in this situation because tens of thousands of people around the world are dying. And you're worried about a team with 17 wins getting some help. I don't know what to tell you guys, but the fix isn't in. Because if it was, like Ryan already mentioned, we'd have not gone backwards in every draft lottery since we entered them. This isn't rock science. And here's the thing, guys. We don't even know if Red Wings are getting Lafreniere yet. They might get second. They might not even take Byfield. All this talk about the Red Wings being gifted Byfield or Lafreniere, and we might get Stutzla or Raymond or Rossi. It hasn't happened yet. This whole thing hasn't even been confirmed. We are talking about a hypothetical on something we think is going to happen. It is actually hilarious how worked up people are getting. Because let's not forget, for the better part of the last 15 years, the best player on planet Earth was gifted to the Pittsburgh Penguins in an unfair bullshit lottery that was set up due to extenuating circumstances. That was a lockout. This is a pandemic. So I will already argue this is more justifiable than that one was. Shit happens when shit happens. Deal what, with it. Am I, are we being biased? 1000% yes. Would I be on the other side of this argument if Detroit was a contender? Hell yes. Do I have any sympathy or tears for people complaining that a team with multiple holes in every position has a 50 50 shot at Alexi Lafreniere? God, no. God, no. Like Brad said, you're mad about a team that has 17 wins getting some help. It shouldn't even be that Detroit's most likely pick was fourth overall. This lottery system was stupid. I'm sorry. Detroit moved down six spots over three years. Think of how much better this team would be with Byram. Think about that. Think about if they had Cody Glass instead of uh, Michael Rasmussen. Like it, It just... You're talking about fairness for something that's allocated completely to chance when ostensibly it shouldn't be. I was dumb once and I used to advocate for the for the draft lottery because I thought it prevented tanking. But no, it just it caused the Chicago's of the world, the Carolinas of the world, the Philadelphia's of the world to jump up from like the 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 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 spot into the top three, which is, you know, for lack of a scientific term, bullshit. Why is like Chicago? Yeah, it, it happened fair and square by the rules. The Crosby and or the Crosby, the the Kane Taves era is now going to be followed by the Kirby Doc and whoever era. 
they can't they were they were barely outside of the playoffs the year they got Kirby Doc. This draft lottery system is designed in theory to prevent teams from tanking. What it does in actuality is keep the bottom teams at the bottom. Go look at base, any basic draft value chart for the NHL draft. There is a dramatic drop off in the draft after the top two to three picks. If you put a list together of the 10 to 15 best players in the NHL, I would say comfortably over half those players were first or second overall picks. You want parity in the NHL? You need the Red Wings and the Senators getting Lafreniere and Byfield. Because do you know what Alexi Lafreniere does for the Red Wings next season? Maybe 30th or 29th place. If all goes well, they're still going to suck. Do you know what happens to the Red Wings if instead of getting Lafreniere or Byfield, we get, let's say, Rossi this year, sixth overall next year, and then like fourth overall next year? We stay in the basement in all likelihood because the Red Wings, as we've already talked about, have no problems in their pipeline or even at some positions on the roster with depth. They have a superstar problem in the sense that they don't have one. And every good team in the league has one. There's an honest debate to be had about whether or not Larkin is that guy. He didn't even have a point per game this year. So as much as we love him, I think the argument's been settled. He's had one superstar-ish year in his career. Could he get back there? Sure. But is he that guy? No. So how do you expect teams like this to crawl out of the basement when they're not getting help to crawl out of the basement? We picked ninth overall. And we got a guy that's probably going to play on our third line. And here's if, the thing. If all goes well. If all goes well. And look behind him in the draft. There wasn't much more there. We can hate on that pick all we want. Yeah, there's a handful of players I would have picked over him. We still weren't getting a piece there, no matter how much we pine that was going to turn this franchise around. Last year's draft, Mo Sider, great player. I, I think the world of him. I, I'm deeply ashamed of how upset I was with him at pick six because it looks like he's going to be a great pick six. Look at all the guys behind him. None of them look like they're going to be franchise changers. Outside shot, outside shot, Zegris might. You're, they were, what, the Red Wings were what, third worst team in the league last year? They might get a number two defenseman out of it. I mean, that's great, but that ain't changing their franchise. Sure, you get enough of these players, you will turn it around. You get, if you pick fifth every year or around five every year, after so long, you're going to have so much depth on your team, you can't be bad. But here's the thing do you know how many years you would have to be bad for that to happen? Do you think you want fans of a team to sit there for six? seven, eight years and stick around? How many fans are the Red Wings losing right now these years? We've missed the playoffs, what, three, four years in a row? Mm -hmm. It's expensive. It costs money. What the NHL needs to find is a system where a team can bottom out for two to three years and then actually pull it together. You know how you do that if you bottom out? You give them the first overall pick because then it turns around because if Buffalo finished dead last last year, and they got Jack Hughes. The Red Wings finished dead last this year. They get Lafreniere. Ottawa finishes dead last next year. They get Ratu, whoever they pick first overall. 
Another uh, pick a random team here. San Jose finishes dead last year after they get Shane Wright. That is four franchises that are going to turn around a lot effing quicker because they get an elite talent out of it. You want parity. You want this. Get rid of the draft lottery. This system that we might see them implement tomorrow is better. Okay, I, I actually want to say here, I do think it's better than what's here now. And I'll eat crow on Ryan from a decade ago who... Uh, wanted to move away from the system because I didn't know we'd move to something worse. I don't think guaranteeing first overall to the worst team is the best way to do it, but I also don't think that the three-team lottery is the best way to do it as well. I think this is better for this circumstance. I think this is better overall. I still stand by the gold plan, but we're not going to get into that today. I, I would actually argue for a system, okay, not not factoring in the old system that they may implement, if we're talking about the three-team lottery, I would actually argue in favor of taking the 10 bottom 10 teams and each giving them a 10% chance at first overall, but only one team wins because then I know dead last is getting, is getting a top two pick, but then you can at least say, well, this team gave it an honest effort. They finished 22nd in the league and they got a superstar lucky them, but the teams that still really need it are picking second and third instead of fourth or fifth. And it doesn't sound like that big of a difference. It is the top of the draft, the bell curve, if you will, of the draft or not bell curve, whatever curve that curve's called. <laughs> the Brad is, curve now. <laughs> what's that? The Brad curve now. The Brad curve, the the plummet. We'll call it the roller coaster. Is steepest at the top of the draft. It matters. Yeah. Um if you're the 29 other teams in the league that aren't uh, Detroit and Ottawa here and you're upset, think about it this way. You have a solution and whether you like it or not, an alternative solution does need to be found for this draft lottery in this draft. It is just the way it works it, it, because, you know, apocalypse. Um, is this not the best case scenario where the only teams being disproportionately rewarded are the teams who are actually the two worst teams in the league? They are well, so like it by if you're going to attach merit or, you know, it, it's weird calling, you know, being a bad team merit. But if you're going to attach merit to this, by definition, Detroit and Ottawa are the teams that should be assigned this. If I'm a, a, a team and, you know, Chicago wins this or Philadelphia wins this, I can't remember who's even in the playoffs right now. I'd be pissed off. We take to the streets. Honestly, that's what that would be what I'd protest for. If Chicago gets Lafreniere, I, I would. I drive to I'd cross the border illegally. I drive to Illinois and I'd, I'd protest right there. Well, we don't have to look very far back to why the current system sucks. Carolina was pretty damn good. Just missed the playoffs. The year they got Svechnikov. Chicago was what a few points out of a playoff spot when they jumped up and got Kirby Doc. Uh, the New York Rangers weren't that far to the playoffs when they jumped up and got Capocaco. I mean, uh, teams that are good are being disproportionately rewarded now and. I mean, obviously I'm salty because in every one of those cases, they jumped over Detroit and knocked them down a spot. Um, we could argue about who Detroit took because even if Detroit picked fifth or fourth in 2018, I bet we still end up with Zadina. But still, it's it's the principle of the matter. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our that's our rant. That's all of our bias and our uh, lack of tears for those crying about this out of the way. Let's talk about um, what this means for Detroit. Nothing's been confirmed, and we want to say that now. This information might be garbage uh, by the time we reach next episode, which would be upsetting, but, or, you know. Or, or tomorrow morning. Yeah. No, no. Honestly. 
it's a win-lose either way because either it happens and this episode was actually relevant and Detroit gets the benefit of the pick or it doesn't happen and we got a brand new set of fresh content for the midweek episode and content is at a premium right now. <laughs> you said it's a win-lose either way and I was we like, We can't yeah. lose. We can't lose. <laughs> we can't lose, yeah. Well, we either uh, lose the content for Wednesday and win the draft lottery or... <laughs> We lose the draft lottery, win the content. So I, I'm not going int- to like lead into this next part and say, yeah, there's literally no way we'd be upset by not getting the first overall pick. You, of course, want Alexi Lafreniere no matter what now. like you, You're allowed to be upset if these rules get implemented and Detroit loses the, the proverbial coin toss. That's fine. But, oh man, is this not worlds better to be guaranteed whoever you want at second, likely Byfield, if not Stutzla, or maybe even Raymond, right? I want, yeah. it's BPA, best player available. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which and is obviously Jack Quinn. Like and whoever we get, like, <laughs> however this shakes out, whatever gets us the best player, I want that method of drafting. Uh, first thing, Evan, close your blinds. I They are. <laughs> and, and two... It's not. It doesn't even matter who the Red Wings get at two because I wouldn't be surprised if they pick Stutzla or Raymond or Rossi over Byfield. Um, it's the fact that they are going to get the second best player on their board. They get the control. Even if Detroit wants to get real weird and just draft position specific, they get that luxury if they pick two. This is the big win. Now, I, I still would be surprised if it's not Lafreniere or Byfield for the Red Wings here. Um, but apparently Eisenman loves Stutzla. Don't know how anybody knows that because his entire operations in an underground bunker with uh, no wires going in and out of, so no information's leaking. But hey, I digress. People think <laughs> it. Um, you know, one of our players is German, so naturally we're going to draft a German. But it doesn't matter if that's their guy, that's their guy and they get him. The I think the there's a disproportionate amount of attention paid to uh, how much Eisenman and Draper like Stutzla because it's news when they are seen in Germany because Germany is notably not North America. Um, it is remarkably easy for the Red Wings scouting team to draft Quentin Byfield. He plays in the OHL. Detroit is almost literally a stone's throw from Windsor, Ontario, which is where an OHL team plays. Uh, <laughs> That's Draper one OHL will, team. They're within yeah. four hours of half the league. Yeah. D- Draper will drive to watch OHL teams. Like that's what it's like, or maybe not him anymore, but the amateur scouts. So it's not quite as much of a big deal. Someone says, Oh, I sc- I saw Eisenman in uh, Ottawa. I mean, yeah, he's from there and this is probably where Byfield was playing. Like no one's ever going to say that, but they'll Rossi, say we saw him yeah. in Berlin or we, we saw him in Munich or wherever it is. It's like, yeah, that's different. Like they went to see him in Mannheim. Like that's different and it's notable. So people are saying, oh, he's definitely wants Stutzla. No, he's probably just doing due diligence and drafting everyone reasonably within the top 10. Here's the thing. Now, I do not pay attention to the Eisman tracker where he is and where he isn't. But if he went and watched Tim Stutzla and then picked Tim Stutzla without ever watching Quentin Byfield or Lucas Raymond or whoever, I'm going to have very serious concerns about his management style because yeah, you have to go watch Stutzla because you got to know if he's better than not or not. But how do you know if Stutzla is better than Byfield? 
you also have to watch Byfield. Like the whole <laughs> the whole thing of oh, he's in Germany. We're definitely picking Stutzla is the dumbest thing I see. And it's not just Red Wings fans, and it's not just Stutzla. Anytime anybody prominent is in any arena, that team is definitely picking that player or trading for that player. Every time. And remember, remember, and we're guilty of this too. The Red Wings sent um there was, I forget who it was. The Red Wings had a couple of uh, management in Colorado for a game. So there was definitely a Detroit, Colorado trade happening that deadline. Yeah. What, what, what happened there? Well, I, I mean, teams send professional scouts all over the place, which is the point that you're exactly. making. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So, but, and this isn't to discredit people who are saying they might take Stutzel second overall. Like, no, I, I think that <laughs> that's not only just like a very strong argument to consider. That is literally this, the argument at hand here. It's Lafreniere or Byfield slash Stutzel slash even Raymond, even if you want to throw him in there. And honestly, if you want to get crazy, like if you guys want the the wackiest pick possible for second overall, put Drysdale in there. I don't think it's going to happen. I would never bet on it. But shit, we just saw Mo Sider go six overall last year so. Jamie Drysdale plays the only ultra specific position on the Red Wings where they don't need right Look, man. D. Look, man. <laughs> we Much are- like in the past, <laughs> I stopped betting against the Pittsburgh and Boston. I'm going to stop betting against chaos for the Red Wings. Oh, no. I, I know. I'm not ruling anything out. We learned that lesson last year where we were certain it was going to be one of <laughs> these handful of players. And we weren't even close. So I, we're sitting here and saying, Byfielder Stutzla for second overall. So we know it'll be Rossi. <laughs> Brad, when they picked when they picked Mo Sider, were we silent? I think it was like six and a half minutes before we said a single word. And then we I, said one word each. And then it was another 11 minutes before we said anything. <laughs> <laughs> we were not prepared for that. This year, unless they go 90 players down the depth chart, we're ready. Yeah, oh god, yeah. We are ready. Now, will we agree with the pick? Yeah, that that's to be determined. I'm at the point now where if we're picking second overall, I'm picking Byfield. I will be mildly disappointed, but not surprised if we pick Stutzla. I will be mildly disappointed and very surprised if we pick Raymond. I will be very disappointed and very surprised if we pick anybody else. So it doesn't mean that if they pick a Rossi or if they pick uh, a Drysdale that they're a bad player or will be not able to cover it. Doesn't mean I'll be happy. Um, Evan, as probably the the one of us three with the least amount of patience for the kind of hockey Detroit's been playing over the last two seasons, if they get if if this does come to fruition and they're guaranteed a top two overall pick, will this whole past season have been worth it? Yes. It, pff, I think so. That's legitimately the only confirmation I needed. Like that's yeah, a that's a top true two testament. pick in a top heavy draft. I think is worth it. This uh, is the entire reason you suck. Yes, yeah. exactly. It has to be worth all the pain and suffering. You there either, is no other consolation other than the draft pick at the end of the tunnel. You yeah, either are getting Sorry, a winger. You're either getting a winger that is so good. He's described as like transcending the game and even magical like things just happen when he's on the ice which is the kind of thing you hear said about players like crosby not comparing lafreniere to crosby but i'm just saying like that's game breaking no right ryan's saying is he will be better 
Yeah, on the record. Uh, Unless he gets drafted by Ottawa, in which case he's a fringe first-line winger. Yeah, Yeah, I'd call him more of like a Daigle kind of guy. Um, (laughs) Or they get an actual number potential number one center potential franchise centerman that is massive with an incredible skill set like ceiling through the sky it's exactly the kind of dream prospect that we've been preaching about on this podcast for the entirety of its five and a half year existence there is i like everything that we've pined over and lost our minds about and grade and, and reduced our hairlines for over the last five years culminates in this draft if this, if this comes to fruition now five years from now when we're talking about whoever they pick and they ended up being just like a middle six player obviously you can laugh at me then and clip this but right now that's how exciting this is for the detroit red wings uh yeah it, if they pick in the top two it doesn't matter who they pick that's instantly the top prospect in their entire organization since i mean because we can't we can't even really argue that's or zetterberg since because who, they were, Brad? Like, since who? Like, what pick at the time was, like, Keith Primo? Third overall in 1990. That was the last he was He didn't get this much hype, though. And the scary thing is, neither did, like, Iserman was, what, third, fourth overall? Like, they were happy to get him, but he wasn't. Man, this might be, in terms of hype, the biggest Red Wings prospect of all time. Did you all say time. height? Hype. <laughs> The P because he is tall. Uh, yeah, no, because I, I mean, yeah, we were excited about Zadina. We were, we, after a couple years, we got really hyped about Datsuk and Zetterberg and Primo was probably a big deal back in the day. It took a while before we really saw what Nick Lidstrom was. We didn't know if Fedorov was going to come over. If the Red Wings get Byfield or Lafreniere in terms of fan engagement, interests, whatever you want to call it. It might be the highest it's ever been in the history of the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah. And there are uh, like the they existed before the entry draft existed. I believe the entry draft came about in 64, 63 or 64. So they had 30 or 40 odd years before the entry draft came about. But still, you're talking in like 56 years, the biggest prospect. And you don't even have to win this. You don't even have to win these rules. You don't even have to win this new system. You can lose it and get second overall, and you still have the biggest prospect in your team's history. Man, like there's there's nothing that makes this whole tank worth it because it sucks and it hurts and it, it's terrible as a fan. <laughs> Remove the, the the dynasty that came beforehand. I know I'm speaking from an insane amount of sports privilege here. But hold, does this come close? Anyways, there is going to be a ton of potential top two draft pick content or the opposite if this all falls apart coming soon. So we're not going to go much deeper than this. Let's flip over to our prospect profile this week, which we're going to keep interesting from you guys. for you guys. We've done Byfield. We've done Lafreniere. Let is, let's now do another, maybe an outside shot, but a consideration at with a uh, top pick. Um, none other than Lucas Raymond. Brad, take us away. Lil Luca Ray Ray. All right. Uh, in a lot of people's minds, not a consideration for second overall. Uh, I know I've been kind of banging the table for Raymond for a while now. And the more I watch him, I've not come off that at all. I think he absolutely is a consideration at number two. Again, I repeat before everybody radios me. He's not who I would take it to. I still like Byfield more and Stutzla a little more, but a consideration. Raymond... The more I watch of him, the more he reminds me of Mitch Marner, and Mitch Marner went fourth overall, which I think, if I was running the draft, is where Raymond would la- would land right now. 
he is unbelievably creative on the ice. He he's on the smaller side. He's sub six feet. I think he's like five nine, five ten, something like that. Incredibly shifty on the edges of his skates. Unreal vision. Unreal hands. And the one thing that is surprising about him for a smaller player, he can score. He's not a guy like not that Mitch Martin and, and those guys can't score. This guy can rip it. You give him time in the slot, he's gonna beat you more often than not. Um, his he played this past season with Ferlunda in the SHL, a very strong team in the SHL. So he was playing a very limited role. So his raw stats aren't super inspiring, but if you dive into his underlying analytics, they are incredibly good. But when you want to know the full story about Lucas Raymond, you have to look at his international performances. He has dominated. I, and I don't use that term lightly dominated internationally with Sweden. The under 18 championships last year. So the tournament he would have played in, in his draft minus two. So he was an underager for that tournament in the championship game against Russia with Yaroslav Askarov. He scored a hat trick, including the OT winner to win Sweden, the gold medal. And that is far from an outlier in terms of what he has done. I want to say against his peers, but in all these tournaments he's played in, he's played a year up. Some cases, two years older than him. He is a freak, an absolute freak. And if he had a better year in the SHL um, than Stutzla had in the DEL, or at least a similar year, I think we're talking about Lucas Raymond as the no-brainer top three. I see some, and I get draft rankings are subjective, and everybody has their own opinion. They might see different games, yada, yada, yada. I see a lot of rankings with Raymond between 6 and 10, and I think those people are nuts. Absolutely insane. At worst, this guy is a top five pick. At worst. And there, for a guy his size, there is very little to dislike about his game. He skates well, unreal hands, good shot, competes, fierce. Again, I'm not going to say he's a wizard uh, defensively, but he's there. He's present. He tries. He can be taught. His motor is incredible. I mean, I I can't talk highly enough about this guy. And he's, he's the one prospect this year that I think doesn't get the respect he deserves. Lucas Raymond, uh, for me, is if you remove Alexi Lafreniere from the board, um, that guy where you say he sees the ice like no one else does. I think he might be the smartest playmaker in this draft class. Um, I had a random thought, and guys, call me crazy if I'm saying this, but if you stick Lucas Raymond and him alone in the Heischer Patrick draft, does he go first overall? Yes. Uh, I yeah. mean, assuming we don't know what, if we view right, Elias yeah. Pedersen. Of course, yeah. What yeah. we did then, yeah, no, he would, and we view Lucas Raymond what he is now. Yeah, Raymond goes first overall in that draft, no doubt in my mind. Yeah, he is an incredible, incredible playmaker that just dictates how the play moves, and he does it well. His execution is excellent. Um, his handles are amazing. Um, like Brad said, 
all of that does not come at the concession of a shot. The guy can shoot and the guy can finish. Um, his skating is something that I've seen people knock against him. I think it's okay. I, I, he, it's definitely not a huge advantage, but I think he's so good at how he controls the pace of play that I don't really think it's a disadvantage. I don't ever notice it. Like I only ever notice his skating when people talk about his skating not being great for someone his size. And I look, I'm like, yeah, okay, maybe you're right. But it, it doesn't stick out to me like a sore thumb. Um, if someone took Lucas Raymond third overall, I wouldn't say, oh, they took that guy and he's a bad skater not at all i'd say they got an incredible playmaker he's their potential uh power play one quarterback uh this is a guy who sees the ice and executes extremely extremely well he plays a good 200 foot game too so you are essentially getting the full package with very 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 high offensive upside so he's still number three for me but i can understand the stutzla argument um but this guy's too good to pass up especially after you watched his world juniors and just how good he is like playing in the shl kind of hurt him a little bit because it looked like he didn't get played as much as he should have which is fair he's 17 18 playing against men um but yeah if it's any other draft with a week one two he's number one for sure and I think we need to get start getting to the point where when we talk about a player's skating, we have to actually specify what type of skating you're talking about because I don't consider Lucas Raymond a poor skater at all. His north-south speed, his top end isn't crazy. Like he, he He's got average top speed, but his edge work and his lateral movement is incredible. So yeah, he's not going to beat everybody in the world in a one-on-one race in a straight line. But hockey isn't played in a straight line. And if a defenseman in front of him is coming at him, he's going to juke them out with ease. I mean, you know who else isn't the fastest player in a straight line? Alex Ovechkin. Alexi Lafreniere. Sidney Crosby. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's a silly argument to me. If if you see a guy who's got limited top end speed and is really bad on his edges, yeah, okay, we can call him a, a poor skater. But it uh, how many times do we see a goal created just because of a guy's straight line speed even connor mcdavid never rarely scores goals in a straight line he has to juke by work his edges get around the defender yada 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 the fastest straight line skater in the league probably and he still uses scores goals based on his edge work more than his top speed the reason he's a, a circus clown is because he can combine them both which is just stupid but you look at a guy like Patrick Kane, you look at players like Mitch Marner, you look at players like Johnny Goudreau, none of those guys are good top are good straight line skaters. None of them. But does it in affect any of them negatively? No. And it won't Lucas Raymond either. I we're gonna it's gonna be if you're sitting here in this draft and you have him ranked number nine right now, I think you're gonna look silly in a few years. You could have a milk bag quarantine body like me, but as long as you score goals at the NHL, I don't give a shit how well you skate. I'm so sad that this was an incredibly like themed topic heavy episode. Otherwise, that would have been the title. Milk bag quarantine body. <laughs> yeah, that's got more name next than a lava lamp right now. Oh but if I could score 40 goals in the NHL, nobody would ask me about it. <laughs> We we all saw Joe Thornton's quarantine body and what he's capable of in the NHL. Yeah. So I think athletic abilities. Uh, Joe Thornton is one of the point. best passers of all time, and he looks like he just crawled out of the biggest, the fattest loser competition. <laughs> I don't think it was called the. I think you had it right the first time. I think it's the <laughs> was it the biggest loser? <laughs> it well, you know, fattest, biggest fattest fattest loser. 
I don't watch much TV. <laughs> so incredible. Can you imagine? Hey, welcome to the Fattest Losers. We're here with some pieces of shit. <laughs> they already know they're fat. They don't need to put it as a title. <laughs> We're here with literal human garbage, Evan Lobsinger. We're not even going to put the camera on him. He's not worth it. All right. A producer says he's going to do it. Let's see how we can manage a camera to mess with this a up. lens that wide. <laughs> Someone's going to clip this part of the podcast and we're going to get reported to somebody. <laughs> I don't care. If that's, if, honestly, if that's how we go down, I'm fine. Oh, boy. I had another point to make. How did we get there off of Lucas Raymond? Something <laughs> about skating, I think. Uh, Brad, Brad, a point you made that I want to call back to is you talked about Mitch Marner, and I know it's not a direct comparison here, um, oh. but I'm happy you brought it up. The The way this whole draft is shaking out, is kind, it kind of reads like the Mitch Marner situation to me. Um, Marner was never really downplayed as a prospect. He was always seen as a high-end prospect in his draft year. He just wasn't considered to be like that number one or two overall guy, um, at least to my knowledge or to my memory. I don't think he was, uh, but he always was considered to be like a solid pick for whoever gets him, like hell of a consolation prize. And that's exactly what he's turned out to be, um, one of the best players in the league. And I really, really, really am getting the same vibes from Lucas Raymond here. Yeah, I, I could see it. And the craziest part of this draft is he might go fourth overall and legitimately be the fourth best player at this draft. I mean, it, it's at uh, stack because Mitch Marner was the McDavid year, right? Because the one thing I, I distinctly remember about that draft was we knew the top three was going McDavid, Eichel, Strom. And then it was, is Toronto going to go Marner or are they going to take the defenseman Hannafin at number five? Again, everybody's like, Toronto needs a defenseman. I mean, there if you ever want the argument of why you go best player available, there it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I very much get that same vibe because we know who the top two are. Now we've seen crazier things happen and Byfield might not go two, but he ain't going lower than three. So yeah, it's, I, I could see the argument of a team sitting there at four. Are we going Raymond or Drysdale or, you know, a centerman uh, Rossi? I, I could see that argument starting up again once we know the draft order. Um, okay. So with that, there, there's a lot of draft content to come. Obviously, um, we're going to head over to overtime here. Can I talk uh, about that top 10 of 2015? Just oh, yeah. Real Go quick. This is disgusting. Connor McDavid, Jack Eichel, Dylan Strom, Mitch Marner, Noah Hannafin, Pavel Zaka, whoops, Ivan Provorov, Zach Wierenski, Timo Meyer, and Miko Rantanen at 10. Jesus Christ. That is absurd. That's a wild draft. If you keep going, it stays strong too later because um, who else came up in that first round? Matt Barzal, Brock Besser, Thomas Kyle Shabbat, Kyle Connor. Jake DeBrusque's yep. got 200 games played in the NHL. Like it's just, yeah, this is insane. Travis Konechny's there. Yeah. Oh, Evgeny Svechnikov. And Boston really choked. Zaboral DeBrusque, Sinition. Oh my God. They could have had Barzal. Connor, Connor Shabbat and Shabbat, yeah, which is so, who people were predicting there. <laughs> oh so my god! The combination of those three have played 211 games, and Jake DeBrusque has played 203 of those. And the funny thing is, DeBrusque was a reach at that pick. Yeah, and he turned out to be like he DeBrusque has been a strong player. Oh yeah, oh yeah, uh, absolutely justified in that slot. 
Uh, we're going to move over to, over to overtime here. Um, overtime, and I want to recognize a couple of people. And this is someone who I haven't recognized in a while because I forget because we're not on camera. But I do want to keep recognize him, which is um, uh, uh, RD Woodworking, the uh, company that made our beautiful custom winged wheel podcast table. I, I want to do the, the official release of that, like the post for it, but... I want hockey to be back. I want people to be paying attention to the podcast more. Uh, I want it to be a little bit more re- relevant, but go to rdwoodworking.ca. Uh, he, Daniel Rossi is the, the guy who did this for us. An incredible, incredible um, talent, good friend of ours. And uh, I, every time I stare at this table, I'm like, this is the nicest piece of furniture we have in the house. And Mel likes nice furniture. Um, if you have any kind of woodworking thing you want done, rdwoodworking.ca, hit them up. The guy's incredible um secondly uh giveaway sponsor for this podcast um everett uh born to dan hard on twitter um is sponsoring a patreon exclusive giveaway um to say thank you to the patrons for sticking with us through the quarantine through the uh, freeze on sports which is an incredible thing to do and that we want to recognize so thank you to everett for uh sponsoring this giveaway we are going to be giving away three top prizes third prize is a 25 dollar gift card to uh vintage detroit's web store the second prize is a signed puck from a current red wing and the top prize is a customized jersey of the winner's choice so three prizes to give away to our patrons here we'll be giving this away over the next three episodes um or the next three episodes is how you enter patrons who are listed as patrons uh patreon supporters over the next three episodes as they're um registered on patreon will automatically be entered um and we'll be announcing that afterwards so uh thank you everett and stay tuned for that guys so if you're not a patreon uh, patron patreon supporter yet you have a chance uh starting next episode as well to get at least two entries here so um and that'll be the tier at which you support will get you more entries as well jesus All Christ, right. how do i can i get in on this i need a custom stephen weiss jersey you t- you got a freaking stick from everett you got the madison bowie stick that is now hung on my daughter's bedroom wall because she claimed it. Yeah, that's your fault for you're not being as strong as your daughter. <laughs> uh, okay, we're going to head over to overtime now to take some questions and comments from you guys. We're going to start with Selfish Puck Hog says, uh, imagine the Red Wings end up with first overall. Ottawa ends up with one of the following. Two and three, two and four, or three and four. Would you trade first overall for Ottawa's two picks, whatever they are, straight up? Or would anything else have to be added from either side? Thanks, guys. If it's top two, if the if it's two and four or three and four, yeah, I'm I'm making that trade because I'm care. What's my worst case scenario? Stutzel and Raymond. Yeah, yeah, no, I'll I, I, it would take the world to get me off of Alexi Lafreniere, but that might just be enough to do it. Yeah, my take here is that Ottawa doesn't do it in that case, no matter what, without Detroit adding something. And if I'm Detroit, I'm not adding anything because it's really not worth the risk. I would do it straight up because that would be an insane, insane deal. But Ottawa's not doing it. Two in the t- if you get two in the top four in this draft, you are laughing. So even if you get first overall, like the moving down is nothing. Yeah, it's definitely not a bad deal here. Um, I have to, <laughs> I have to Google Translate another thing because we have another comment um, from Kim Jong Un here. He says. 
Uh, I told you I was in dead capitalist pig US and a sympathizers, but you didn't believe me. Did you can't trust the rumor mongering media rumor mongering fake news only democratic wink wink people's Republic of Korea state owned news run by me can be trusted while I'm back bigger and better than ever after a few weeks R&R at best Korea's fine finest palace resort with my party train whilst the superior North Korean scientist whipped up a COVID-19 vaccine quick smart even though we didn't need it as strong borders stronger leadership in Geneva superiority gave us immunity and meant it never broke through to us anyways uh what else have i been up to oh yeah that's right my latest gift to swine usna i see has arrived please enjoy the shipment of murder hornets have you guys seen that yeah they're huge yeah ah. i'm not breaking this quarantine even once the disease leaves yeah <laughs> uh which when exposed to 5g also spread coronavirus although it seems that may not be needed given the current infection rate which reminds which brings me to my next point seattle and their new franchise still need a name forget the rain city bitch pigeons please welcome the seattle murder hornets give me this and i give you vaccine that is an incredible hockey name and i, I, I actually like it i think someone when that tweeted who was it cat silverman i think on my feed said yeah, that is absolutely the team name of some single A baseball team in the Atlantic region. Yeah, it's <laughs> the Murder point. Hornets. Um, jersey time, Hornet theme, best three yellow primary jerseys of all time. Bonus points if it's just yellow and black. Throw in CHL, AHL, et cetera, anything goes. And then a bunch of Korean characters that translate literally to keep the fresh cheese bag on bread and toss the onion. So getting better with my Korean there. Uh, best, best yellow and black jerseys. Like... Or yellow, yellow was the primary color yeah. or oh god uh la kings la kings yellow with purple accents um gold gold boston's whatever. winnie the pooh nashville's mustard predator oh my god brad uh, <laughs> <laughs> brad what the hell i, I that's a hard okay we have we kind of have to go chl or ahl here but i can't think of many vancouver for a bit had a yellow one with the spaghetti skate which was pretty dope was it la's yellow yellow with the v no i think they had one with the spaghetti skate for a brief period time of time too which i liked better um the yeah la's original purple and gold for sure and then i mean god i'm struggling to think of any decent ones other than nashville after that Nashville's yeah like I, I like them but yeah they're but I can't think oh, of man. any better this might be third by default uh we didn't do good on jersey time this time Cameron Swick says is a hot dog a sandwich or a taco I don't know Evan you tell us is a hot dog a taco or a sandwich yeah is that the question yeah it's more of a taco <laughs> uh, I had to pick we once had an interview on this podcast in case you haven't been listening long enough with the legendary Ron McLean, and that's the question Evan chose to ask him. <laughs> I wasn't the only one, but I needed to know. Uh, Liz B says, so wait, there might actually be something positive to come out of this odd crap show of a season. The amount of people that are crying about the suggestion of going back to the old draft lottery rules for a year is quite hilarious to me. Yes, the draft is rigged in favor of Detroit. That's it. Exactly. Those people are so smart. I'm glad they were able to see how rigged it is. Whatever they decide to do with the draft, someone will be happy. So unhappy. So I'm pro whatever option is going to benefit Detroit the most other teams can suck it. That is a great attitude and one that I'm holding as well. Correct. Mayor of Toilet Paper Town says, what is your favorite band slash artist that stopped recording before your birth, a.k.a. the classics, baby? Mine is Creedence Clearwater Revival. Ooh, CCR is a good one. I'm not a old school music guy. Jimi so. Hendrix? Uh, that's a good one. I'm, I have the uh, corniest answer to this, but it's the Beatles for me. 
I don't have a good answer, so I'm going to pass. Uh, Joseph Delia says, knock, knock. You answered the door. It's Mark. Okay. I just, I, well, I just read a little bit of the second line and I'm scared. Uh, knock, knock. You answer the door. It's Mark Bergevin looking thicker than a bowl of oatmeal. He grabs you by the throat. You wince out and it's harder daddy, <laughs> but he doesn't hear you. He releases you and says, I'm offer sheeting Mantha the same length in dollar amounts as Aho. He slaps your sweet bippy and leaves through the wall like a swelled Kool-Aid guy. No free ads. No free ads. What do you do? Match the offer, take the picks, or fix the wall? Thanks, my dudes. Also, I think that says suck my D, Montreal. Uh, eight, that was eight and a half, five years? It was 42.27 divided by five, which is 8454, which would be exactly a first round pick, a second round pick, and a third round pick compensation. I mean, that's only five years. That takes Mantha to 30. Yeah, I'll I'll take that contract. Thank you. Yep. A little more dollars than I would like, but we're canceling that out with a very reasonable term. Yeah, you add another first to that, and I might tip in the other direction, but I think I choose to match as well. Um, Jake Nagy says, my dudes, after listening to the pod for three straight years without ever missing an episode, I finally become a patron. Jake, thank you so much, and welcome to the Dub Dub family. Appreciate your support over all these years, man. How have you listened to that <laughs> many Last week, I got to uh, officiate a social distancing wedding for a couple at my apartment who were eloping and wasn't expecting them to pay me. So I figured there was no better time to hop in and become a patron as a way of saying thanks for keeping me sane during the Wings rebuild. Um, thank you to that couple who got married. Okay, hold uh, on, wait, wait, wait. Correct me if I'm wrong, but since we talked about it earlier in this episode and now Jake is ask a patron and asking a question, is he not the only one? The only Red Wings fan who has a more famous reaction to Cider getting picked than us because he was the one they cut to in the building. That was that was you, Jake, wasn't it? Yeah, that was his, this was his. That day. was you. You're the <laughs> only one who had a more famous reaction than we did. He sent his videos. Uh, who did he have a recording with after? I can't remember who it was. It might have been a picture with. Was it a picture with Cider? I can't remember. That day was a blur. I, I still remember him just sitting there with his hands out like what i never knew that i actually reacted with my mouth open in shock until i saw pictures of us after the fact oh yeah uh, you had that you had the best reaction that like your head's kind of back your chin's down just eyes wide mouth open <laughs> i had a hat on i don't know where the hat went <laughs> i remember yeah, I my reaction time. i just i just buried my hand in my face because i'm like what just i i couldn't process what had just happened um jake continues to say as the official visa kensler of the more Cider fan club i have a pitch for you if we get the number two overall pick and select tim stutzla we must forever refer to them as the deutschland duo feel free to turn that into a winged wheel podcast t-shirt what happens if one. we select lucas reichel at 32 are we just gonna forget about him then the uh we'll have to think of something um question for evan in a hypothetical world where the quarantine ends and golf is allowed which three current red wings would you most likely would you most like to play around a golf with hypothetical world golf courses are going to be open here in two weeks two three weeks before june what red wings are you inviting with you um is there anyone who's good yeah, they're all professional hockey players, so yes. Yeah, they're they probably just like pick up a football, throw it over a mountain. Like they're the current Detroit Red Wings. They've had a lot of practice, Evan. <laughs> yes, a lot of off season. Um, I'd play with Tyler Bertuzzi. Bertuzzi. He just looks like fun because God knows we wouldn't be playing for score. Um, who else would be interesting? Fabry's a Guelph boy, so you'd probably get along with him. 
Yeah, that'd be a, that'd be a fun group. Um, I don't know if I'd want to play with Mantha. I can't. Some me and the French just don't get along. <laughs> um, Evans two thirds of the way to uh, Fabry's uh, tr- uh, stranded island trio. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, who I know who the th- Jonathan the Erickson would be fun. He seems like an interesting dude. He's fortunately I'd be the ugliest guy. person in that group. Oh yeah, you would. And Tyler's missing teeth, so yeah that's not good um josh terrell says hey dub dub if you had to make a starting lineup of the biggest nhl draft bust in the last 20 years who would each of your teams be Ooh, um, 20 years that takes out some of the all-timers uh yakupov's well, are our starting right winger i think yeah um, uh griffin reinhardt's got to be on my blue line does it have to be past 20 years yeah well that makes it harder makes which it i'm a fan of hard uh so yeah. i got i got griffin reinhardt yakupov um is it too early to say pool party given the hype around him mm. i'm gonna say too early is it yeah pavel zaka maybe no he's playing in the nhl man get more creative than that i'm i'm, I'm toying with the idea of throwing gilbert brule in here uh how mean? about how about eric branson he went yeah. third overall didn't he yeah, yeah, he'd be there. Griffin he, Reinhardt. He had some all right years. Griffin Reinhardt's like given, given especially what happened af- with him after. What was 2014? There was Rick someone in 2014. Pietro? No. Well, yeah. when was he drafted? He, he actually had a better career than... He had a better career than people gave him credit for because um, it was just the contract that colored it. But yeah, he for how high he was drafted, he can't really not go with him. Fourth overall in 2016 isn't playing in the NHL right now. I think that counts. Who's Al that? Montoya? No, pool party. Pool party? Uh, that's yeah. another name. Al Montoya? Yeah. He was 2004. Yeah. Sixth overall. Um, yeah, it's hard with... In the past 20 years, it, it's tough. I mean, we might need time to think of that one completely, but those are some names. Um, by Felicia says, how would you guys feel about the additional draft picks... Uh, feel about additional draft picks being added to the draft? For example, in, if... Uh, if the Canucks land, they want two picks at the end of the second or third round. They would not take back their draft picks they traded, but just have additional draft picks added. This idea is considered to be fair for the circumstances. Uh, it's fair for the teams involved in the trade, but not for the teams around them because it's it's a small sample, but let's assume you throw an extra pick in for Vancouver and it's pick 63 at the end of the second round. Well, who held pick 63 before that? Uh, Detroit. So what if Vancouver took the guy at that pick that Detroit was eyeballing. Uh, I think it balances a trade out at the expense of bumping literally every other team in the league back in the draft. Um, by the way, I think it's hilarious. People want things to be fair. Life isn't fair. It was. It never was. And watching children on Twitter throwing temper tantrums is hilarious. Maddie Dub says, "Hey boys, who are the players you have the most concerns about in the first round slash most bust potential? Also, how do you feel about Tory Krug possibly coming to Detroit?" Um, depends on the contract would love Tory Krug in the winged wheel uh, depending on what we pay him and for how long it won't um, come cheap. I mean and the, a bus potential in the first round honestly statistically everybody from 20 on isn't going to be that significant of a player if you're just going by the odds so if we limit it to the top 10 region uh, I would say Cole Perfetti or Jake Sanderson. 
even though that's kind of a cop-out answer because I don't have him ranked in my top 10, but he will go top 10. Askarov is kind of a cheap answer as well, but the, the goaltending thing always gets me. Um, I would feel really nervous about putting a top 10 pick on a, a goalie. Just as a, That's a general rule for me. Who am I most nervous about busting? Not necessarily that they will or odds of them busting, but right now, who am I most nervous about busting? Quentin Byfield. Quentin Byfield, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's going to be yeah. mine. Even yeah. though I don't <laughs> think it's going to happen, it just that nagging <laughs> doubt in the back of my head. Oh my God, this guy's so good, so good. There's no way he doesn't turn it on and become who you think he's going to become. But but maybe. <laughs> There's always a chance. Well, there is with anybody, but him especially. We preempt eggs a little bit more. We preemptively declared Lafreniere Byfield as the biggest prospect in Red Wings history. We're going to be nervous about that busting. Yeah. Oops. And, uh, beyond Alexi Lafreniere, I have at least small concerns about every other player in this draft. And if the Red Wings are getting a top two pick, I'm going to be nose nervous about the guy we're picking at number two. <laughs> yep. Um, okay, let's move forward here. Um, Addy Dubs. Oh, I just read his. Stay inside cheese bags of Fournier Company says, Hey there, fellas. Equipment question What mics do you use? We are using Samson's something or other during the Q20, I believe. Yeah. Uh, just received. ordered them. Yeah. No, it's all a blur, man. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I just received I my first. box right here. Yeah. My Q20. first mic. Uh, Blue Yeti from Amazon so I can start doing voiceover work from home and possibly teach a few script classes via Zoom. I've never used any recording equipment before. This is my first foray into the field. Hey, man, shoot me a message. Uh, I'm not a pro, but I might be able to give you and, some pointers. And for Think- reference, our regular mics at Ryan's house that we use when we're not in quarantine are Sennheisers. Forget the exact model number, but because they're like five years old. I've read some reviews in th- when we were researching what mics to buy, and someone said... Uh, Blue Yeti is to microphone what Beats by Dre are to headphones. I don't know how true that is, but it resonated. Uh, Brad, have you guys talked about the hand-to-mark update yet? If not, please elaborate. No, hand-to-mark signed with San Jose. All right, well. Okay, well, Burrell may scored more points than him, so suck it, San Jose. Um, also Toronto, Montreal, and especially Boston fans can go suck my ass and floss at the Tingleberries. After the league waited for Detroit to not be a perennial contender before moving them to the East, and after a cap was introduced to keep teams like Detroit from overspending, and after contract term limits were introduced to keep teams like from De- like Detroit from signing those long uh, term cap circumventing deals, as well as punishing them for the one they already signed for Zetterberg. And after the league changed the Stanley Cup final schedule in 2009 and prevented the, prevented the Red Wings from getting the usual amount of rest between their series, and after GMs across the league conferred to either uh, fleece Detroit or prevent them from acquiring players, you're telling me the Islanders, a non playoff team with two goalies already on their roster, actually needed to put a claim in for Nabokov? They did the league a favor. After Detroit sliding down six total draft spots in the last three years, after all that, and then some. These fans have the audacity to complain about the draft being rigged in Detroit's favor. Man, that was a better Mike Milbury minute than mine. I'm about four to five seconds from Wilden. Chris Osgood for Hall of Fame. Stay masked. Cheese bags. Uh, and Lex's question is from new name level sponsor, Jake Kiefer. Thank you so much, man, for your support. And welcome to the Dub Dub family. He says, hola, muchachos. First time patron, long time listener. Uh, 510-165. Hey, man, that's, uh, that's me. You can take my spot if you want. 
Question, if the Wings pick first overall, it's fair to say that this will greatly shorten their rebuild time versus picking fourth. If that happens, would it make sense for Detroit to slightly spurge in free agency? Not sure they should at least attempt to get uh, Alex Petrangelo, Krug, or Taylor Hall wanted your take. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, this is a word of warning, and I know I kind of mentioned it earlier in the episode. Lafreniere doesn't speed up the rebuild that much. He means that when we come out of the rebuild, we have that dynamic superstar, hopefully, um, that will take Detroit to the next level. The rest of this team beyond Lafreniere still sucks, and they're still probably the favorites to finish dead last in the league next year. I do not think they should splurge in free agency. I think very, uh, mind you, I'm of the mindset, I think very few teams should splurge in free agency because not a lot of... Um, wise decisions are made July 1st. Very few, actually. Usually 80% of them are uh, strikeouts. But it, it's way, way too soon. Detroit, until they have a roster where you're going, yeah, they really only have one or two holes to fill, should not touch free agency because they still need an entire third line, an entire fourth line, depending if they get Lafreniere or not, a second line winger, uh, basically a the entire bottom three of their defense and a couple of goalies, unless you think Jonathan Bernier is going to be useful until his mid thirties. So yeah, they're a long way away from spurging splurging still. I do think the general notion of what you propose though, is one that people fail to consider is that it's not necessarily just the potential Lafreniere or even Byfield that would speed it up. It was what it's what they would put in motion. So yeah, if, if you get Lafreniere and then probably not this year, but next you get like a Taylor Hall type guy and then you sign them and maybe you overpay a little bit because you have that cap space and then you get the next year's like, you know, William Carlson um, where he wasn't seen as, as being something, but he turns out to be a diamond in the rough. That's when you start shaving months and years off the rebuild. So um, would it be a one year, like an immediate thing where you go after this draft class? no, would I say absolutely unequivocally don't go after those guys? No, of course not. You always want to make your team better, but it has to be under the right circumstance. But for sure, yes, down the line, your your proposal makes sense there. Um, all right, time for some other questions from Reddit and Twitter. Uh, on Twitter, we say we have one from uh, Topher Thinks says, knowing that this is a complete pipe dream, what would it take to get Spencer Knight from the Panthers? Um, A lot. I think if you are looking at just Red Wings prospects because I don't think there's anything on the roster worthwhile other than Larkin or Zadina or Mantha, but I don't think Detroit's giving those up. I think the offer for Spencer Knight would be Valeno plus plus, probably. So you're looking at Valeno plus uh, Tuomisto plus a, a half-decent pick. Um, and Nail the Hobo on Reddit says, if you had to pick one past Red Wing to add to the current Red Wings, who would it be and why? Uh, okay, well, this would come down to what you think the Red Wings' biggest need is. Unfortunately, those are center and <laughs> hockey le- and left defense. <laughs> so that doesn't help us because that still means we could take any one of Howe, Iserman, or Lidstrom. Um, I-, I think given the way the NHL is going, what the Red Wings' biggest needs are, assuming, let's say, optimistically, they land Lafreniere. I think they need Lidstrom because 
I, I think if you get Lafreniere or Byfield, there's going to be enough in that top six to keep that offense good between Larkin, Mantha, Bertuzzi, Fabry, Zadina, Lafreniere, or Byfield. That's, I wouldn't call that an elite top six, but that definitely isn't a poor top six, especially once they all hit their stride. I really like Heronic, uh, Cider, maybe even a few years down the road, Tuomisto down the right side. That left side of the defense in terms of players under the age of 25 is sparse. Uh, there's Chalosky. <laughs> maybe yeah. McIsaac. Yeah. So Imagine maybe Johansson world- if you want to be really optimistic. So yeah, I, I think Lidstrom would be the choice here. Imagine a world where prime Steve Eisenman or Gordy Howe isn't the best player to add to your team right now. <laughs> I'm only adding the second greatest defenseman of all time. Yeah. Um, okay. And we probably will take one from Cider Salad here who mentioned that one thing we didn't talk about in uh, reviewing Eisenman's performance episode is with Ernie. Uh, we talked about how he hasn't exactly produced like we thought he had the potential to, but we could have talked about his previous production versus pr- his production under Blashill. So the notion of is Blashill the reason Adam Ernie didn't flourish as a potential offensive producer? I would absolutely hear that argument. I would absolutely agree that Jeff Blashill did not help him and probably made it worse. I also think that if you have half decent, half decent offensive upside, you could have a literal chair coaching the team and score more than two goals. Yeah, my thing is he's... You're probably right. He probably did get a little bit burned by his deployment and his teammates, more so the latter, because it doesn't matter how you get deployed. If you're playing with, you know, two wet bags, your line mates, you're not going to be producing a lot, especially if you're not a line driver, which obviously Adam Ernie isn't. But my counter to that is, and this isn't necessarily a defensive blast show, but it's like if you need those good line mates to produce, that's not an exceptionally rare offensive like a, amount of offensive ability in the NHL that's that's pretty replaceable. So yeah, it's probably not as much of a knock against Ernie as as we made it out to be. Um, whatever we said about him, and Bl- I, I honestly do think Blashill's deployment does suppress offensive output quite a bit with certain Red Wings. Um, but I still think, like you said, Brad, we we would have seen something if it was worth noting. I'm sure it's he has more in the tank. Yeah, well, we had a two goal game, so. Um, he said, "Flash, flash is Ryan not Flash, plural. Strike of lightning. Hey, man, it's twice. It's two. Uh, okay, we're gonna wrap up this uh, episode of the Winged Wheel po- Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. Hopefully, by the time we talk again, it is going to be some great news for Detroit. So, stay tuned. Uh, we'd like to thank all of our listeners, um, our official unofficial sponsors for this show, RDWoodworking.ca and uh, Everett Born." at born to dan hard on twitter and of course our name level sponsors um the septic tank of that bitch carol baskins uh jake Kiefer, by felicia dead panda society brad smith andrew bohan scott martin kayla thompson jacob turner matt mckay brandon m matthew m rice luke johnson ryan lewis langabeer clayton van dyken kaylin wood hassam al Kassem, uh arjun shanker charlie elkins hannah lee Alex Ott, Chris Frank, Connor Leighton, Danny Jr., Matthew Keeler, Craig Kibble, Simon Anderson, Antonio Gracias, John Evans, and Kwaz. Thank you all. We love you. Let's see what happens. 
Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.